So as we get started this morning, start by asking you this question. If you knew you only had days to live, how would you live your life? If you knew you only had days to live, how would you live your life? Well, I submit to you this morning that if you knew you only had days to live, that you would live your life very intentionally. Right? That the chaos and the clutter and and, and the things that we get caught up in, the pettiness of those around us, that those things would be pushed aside. Right? And that we would spend every moment that we had left trying to make the most of those moments and to spend time with our loved ones, to spend time with those closest to us, just enjoying them and and trying maybe to even impart some wisdom that we've learned along the way, amen, of some things that we would like to share with them. And so this morning we kick off our Easter series. It's called Last Days, right? And we're going to be looking at the last days of Jesus, and looking at what Jesus was doing within those last days. But it's fresh and it's raw and it's real even this morning as we talk about last days because this week, Mr. John Cook, he, he didn't know that he was living in his last days, did he? If we could turn back the hands of time and, and go back and, and, and ask him about that, he, he didn't know that was coming. Brother Billy, he, as we mentioned about Brother Billy, Brother Billy didn't know that that was coming. But the thing that I submit to you about both of those men, Brother Billy and Brother John Cook, was that they lived their lives intentionally making much of Jesus. I had the privilege... As I mentioned, I think already this morning, when I first got here, the Lord laid on my heart to do these listening sessions, to do these sessions to to try to get to know people. And I had some questions and uh, wanted them to answer that. But it was mainly a time for us to get to know one another and and for me to learn about them and them to ask me questions, but also, more importantly, to pray together. And I'm thankful, y'all, that as we stand in this sanctuary tomorrow to celebrate the homegoing of John Cook. We stand here, yes, we'll be sad because we won't get to see him. His family won't get to see him again. But they have the legacy of faith and service that he lived out, amen, and the impact of lives that he touched. But I'm so thankful that when he and I sat down, guess what? I have his answers. I I also took a legal pad and and I wrote and and I sat at the seat of this dear, precious saint. I said, listen, I said, as a young minister, for someone who's ministered around the world and ministered longer than I've been alive, what would you tell me? And he told me several things and I, I scribbled them down and I'm thankful for that. And so my challenge to you this morning, friends, is to have conversations with your loved ones. To ask them, hey, Grandma, how did you get through this time in our life? How, when, when this storm came, what did, you, what did you do? Like, how did you get through that? Tell, tell, me about, tell me about when you got saved, Grandma. Tell me about when you got saved, Granddaddy. Right? Because in the end, that's all that really matters. Amen? It's whether someone's saved and how they're living their life. And so this morning, I want us to turn our attention as we look at Jesus' last days, as he lived intentionally. He knew the cross was before him, and this was the last week that he was going to live on earth. I want us to look at 
Sunday. Jesus' last Sunday. For those of you that are taking notes, or maybe if you don't take notes, grab your phone. And I want to give you the passages of Scripture that we're going to try to get to some. We won't get to all. But you can go back maybe this week and, and take these Scripture references and read them for yourselves. Amen? And sit down and say, okay, God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus. And as you're reading this, you're knowing that, that God, uh, in, in, in the flesh, that Jesus was headed towards the cross. So you read, as you read, remember that. So the passage of scripture that I'd like to give you is Matthew 21, chapter 21, 1 through 11. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Secondly, I'd like to give you Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. Then I'd like to give you Luke Chapter 19, verse 29 through 48. And then John, chapter 12, 12 through 19. If I do this again in the series, I'll make sure that Miss Terry has it in enough time that it's printed in your bulletin. If you need any of those references, see me after church. But let me set the scene for you this morning before we just dive into the last Sunday of Jesus' life. So as Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, they are beginning to celebrate what is known as Passover. It's a week-long celebration to remember the great exodus from Egypt. So, I want you to kind of use your divine spiritual imagination for a minute. And and I'm setting the stage that as Jesus is entering on Sunday, He's entering in His last days. But he's entering at a time to where it's a celebration, right? There's a celebration going on because they remember the bondage that they were in, the Israelites were in, and they were delivered from that bondage and they crossed the Red Sea and they were celebrating that during Passover. So if they're having a party, God used that party, God used that gathering to set the stage for Jesus' final week. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God chose a time when Israel would be gathered in Jerusalem. They're celebrating Passover, right? God chose a place with huge crowds so they could see Jesus. Can, can, I, can you lean in for just a second? Jesus is going in. It's a celebration. There's huge crowds. God chose the time and the place where Jesus would be, where many people could see him. Can I tell you something? That people matter to God. Amen? Crowds matter to God. Why? Because they're individual people. They're people that Jesus is about to die for. And God chose a way to proclaim Jesus' mission so that it was unmistakable. Now, here's, here's one thing I want you to see. As I was sitting down to study... What happened right before this? Jesus is getting ready to head into Jerusalem. They're celebrating Passover. What happened just before this? Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That had happened just prior to this. Not too long ago. Not too long before that. Was there excitement? Yeah. Hey, here's Lazarus. He was stinking. He was in the grave. And the Lord called him out. And he's alive again. I want to see that. Would you, if you were there, you want to see it too, amen? Was there fear? Absolutely. 
Absolutely there was fear. You know why? Because when Jesus steps on the scene, lives are changed. Lives are changed. And so that means that people that had baggage and that had chains and had burdens and, and had the, the weight of shame and guilt on top of them, that means that it was lifted. They were liberated. And listen, can I tell you what? While the majority of us will, woo, yes, when someone comes to the Lord. Amen? That's exciting when the bondage is broken. But can I tell you what? It also strikes fear and there are other people that get angry. And why is that? Have you ever thought about that? People get angry because people have brought the bondage is broken. Why would they get angry? They get angry because you know why? They lose control. That person's no longer down. They can no longer be over them. They're liberated. They're new in Christ. There's a new life. Not everybody's going to be excited about that, amen? Some people like to keep people down and, and you just stay down here or whatever. So what does that do? Ooh, that puffs me up. Man, oh, I'm not like you. you y'all go over there. Y'all stay over there. But man, we're going to come and, and, and sing and do this. Man, come on. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Pharisees. It's very easy to become Pharisaical, amen? To look at yourself and say, whew, I got it all going on. Buddy, no, you don't. You don't. Let me not digress. So as we were, as I was looking, as I was studying, it cost to follow Jesus. Then and now. It cost to follow Jesus. I want you to see, and you're like, Chris, hurry up and get to the text, man. Get to Sunday. No, I want you to see what's going on. So I told you that he's raised Lazarus from the dead. Amen. They're in Passover. It's a big celebration. But listen, I'd like for you to open your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of Matthew. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Gospels in this series. So turn over to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And I want you to see, I want you to see something. Sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. Turn with me to John 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John 12. Hey, pastors make mistakes too, amen? That's why we have a thing called grace. All right. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. They're going to Passover. It's a celebration. I just told you that it costs to follow Jesus then and now. I want you to see this in in, uh, John chapter 12, in verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Wasn't that nice? Even the Jews, even the Pharisees want to see him. But we can't stop reading there. Look at what it says in verse 10 and 11. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So not only was Jesus headed for the cross and they were getting ready to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus. Why? Because of him, because of a changed life for a man who was in the grave literally stinking that Jesus called to life. Do you, you think that would change some hearts and lives? Yeah. And if you're in power and control, what? You want oppression. So they wanted to kill Lazarus too. So now you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at verse 1 through 11. 
verse 1 through 11, under the heading of the triumphal entry. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of the burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him that followed him and were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirring was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I want to quickly look at a few things from this passage, and I want to call your attention to them. Look with me in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. Y'all say sent. Sent. Can I remind you something this morning? That Jesus was sending people then, and he's still sending people now. Amen? If you notice too, he sent them out what? He sent two. But what do we know about two? When you go out alone, what's the Bible tell us too? Well, first off, what's it tell us about a three-stranded cord? It's not easily broken. So you, your wife, or a disciple, or a deacon, and God, that's three, right? And so when you go out, if you fall down, if I'm by myself and I fall down, I got to try to get back up, right? But if I'm with my brother, my brother can help me get back up. Amen. My wife can help me get back up. And so here's the thing I want you to know. Jesus was sending people then. He's sending people now. But can, can, can you lean in real quick? Lean in. But when he sends people, you better make sure before you go that you were sent. Amen. Because like preachers, we, we go and, and, and missionaries, Mr. John and Lewis Cook, they were sent. But can I tell you, why did I just tell you that? You better make sure that God is the one that sent you there. Because if, if you're building your kingdom, right? If you're building, if you're about building your kingdom, then you have to sustain it. Amen? But if you're about building God's kingdom and going where God has sent you, then He will build it and He will sustain it. Amen? You see the difference? So when you're sent, you have these people say, oh, well, God sent me over here. I'm supposed to be a part of this ministry. Are you? Is that really where God wants you? Think about it. The scripture reference that they give here in verse 5, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of the burden. That's... A scripture reference uh, quoting Zechariah 9 9. Quoting Zechariah 9 9. So it's, it's, it's kind of linking the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Amen? You can't have one without the other. We're, we're technically a New Testament church, but friends, it's, it's, it's Old Testament and New Testament 
together. It's not one, it's not the other. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament is, is Jesus and going forward. Amen? So they're important. They're both very important. Now, here's one thing I want you to see. See, you can't just read Scripture and say, oh, isn't that cute? Um, I hear pastors tell, I got some uh, senior saints in the crowd this morning. You remember back in the day, I hear pastors talk about it all the time. I don't remember it. But remember back in the day, you used to have flannel grams, right? You used to have little things, and you'd have people stick, you know, you'd stick the little donkey and Jesus and the palm branches or whatever, right? And occasionally one would fall off. And anyway, put it back on. But anyway, had flannel grams, right? So here, you know, we see Jesus riding on a donkey. Oh, isn't that cute? Jesus rode on the donkey. Yeah. But listen, there's more to that. There's more to that. Because what does Scripture even tell us right here? It says what? Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. Can I tell you something this morning? That he came on a peaceful mission. He came on a He came humble. And that donkey, as he rode in, it was a sign that, hey, I, I'm coming peacefully. But really quickly, can we contrast that to how Jesus is coming back? At Jesus' second coming, what does Scripture tell us? That he is coming what? On a white horse. Right? Donkey, white horse. Difference, right? Two opposite extremes. A donkey. When he came, as he was prepared to go to the cross, he's coming humbly. He's coming peacefully. When he comes again, he's coming on a white horse. What is a horse a symbol of? It's a symbol of war. What is white a symbol of? Victory. Purity. You see the difference? He came humbly on a donkey as he entered Jerusalem. When he comes again, he's coming back. And he's going to defeat the enemies. Of this world. Amen? So my first point to you this morning is that Jesus came on a peaceful mission. Jesus came on a peaceful mission. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey's colt, he affirmed his messianic royalty. What's that mean? That basically he was who he said he was. And he entered peacefully and humbly. Listen, as Scripture tells us what? As he entered, they shouted. And they laid palm branches. It's important to note that this is one of the only few places on record where Jesus' glory on earth is recognized. The palm branches that were used. This is where we typically get this, the, the, um, the heading that we use called what? Palm Sunday. Because they laid the palm branches out. Before him. But don't miss this though. Don't miss this point. Jesus rode in as the king of peace. And the crowd gladly joined him. But these same people would bow to political and societal pressure. And desert him later that week. questions that come to mind are we following Jesus because everyone else is because it's convenient before we look at hopefully maybe one more passage this morning 
I want to call your attention to two other themes that I see in Jesus' last days. He sets the stage on Sunday. He came on a peaceful mission, but he also came on a passionate mission. Now, what's at the root of the word passionate? Passion, right? So usually when you see passion written when it's associated with Christianity, it's with a capital P. And it refers to Christ's crucifixion and death on the cross. Hence, we have what? Passion plays. There was once a movie called The Passion of the Christ. Because it also means suffering. Now, wait a second. Haven't you probably said somewhere along the line, man, he's a really passionate guy. Right? Have you ever said that about somebody? Man, he's really, he's passionate about what he's doing. She's passionate about that project. Have you said that before? So, what does passion mean? I'm glad you asked. Intense, driving, or overmastering feeling or conviction. It's an ardent affection. It's, it's in essence just love. Love. Great love. It's a strong liking or desire or devotion for someone or something. But it also means suffering. Chew on that. Right? Because, I'm sorry friends, the day and time that we live in, in 2019, uh, uh, churches that are around this world, Christianity is not, it, it, it is it is simple in, in the fact of how you come to Christ. It's to admit that you're a sinner and to confess that before Him and to ask Him to cleanse you of your sins, sins and know that He is the only way that you will ever be made righteous. The, the debt that you owe that you could not pay yourself that He paid on the cross. So, but friends, can, can I lean in and tell you this? That Christianity is not about easy believism and easy times, right? We need to get out of this notion that just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you won't face trials and that you won't have sickness and that you won't have death and you won't have trials and you won't have tribulations and you won't have people nagging at you and you won't have things going wrong in your life. It just means that when you do, that you have a source of strength and hope. Amen? Really quickly, I'd like to read a passage of Scripture. Uh, this week I was reading uh, um, the day that actually we went and ministered to uh, Mr. John Cook's family. I read an article about ministry. And the, and the author said he could sum up ministry in one word. I'm thinking, what one word is he going to use? But he said that you could sum up ministry in one word, and that is delight. And as I think about Nancy and her family, for Billy, it was a delight. And you'll see why. There were three points that he made. That it should be a delight for us to spend time in the presence of God. That it should be a delight to study God's Word. Now, that, those two things apply to pastors, but they also should apply to you all as well. But as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it should also be a delight for me to serve others on behalf of him. Amen? So the passage that was associated that day was this. Whom have I, as Psalm 73, verse 25 and following, whom have I in heaven but you? 
And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But listen, but for me it is good to be near the Lord. I have made the Lord God my refuge, and I will tell of all your works. Billy Brewer, John Cook, delighted in the Lord, and they delighted in making much of Jesus. Why? Because the Lord is where they found their strength and their hope to continue on. Acts 1-3, as we go back to suffering for just a moment. Acts 1-3, He, Jesus, presented Himself alive to them. This is after the resurrection. This is after He dies on the cross. He, He presented Himself to them alive after His suffering. By many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So I want to leave you with a series of questions. We said that Jesus came on a peaceful mission. Are you following in his footsteps? Do you bring a sense of peace wherever you go? Are you seeking peace in your relationships? Or is there a path of destruction behind you wherever you go? Are you seeking peace? Are you seeking peace for your relationships? Or is there a path of destruction behind you wherever you've been? Admit it. I will. There have been times in my life and in ministry that God's called me to that I was not seeking peace. People were hurt. People walked away. I was broken. They were broken. We dissolved. They went this way, and I went that way. But Scripture tells us all things work together for good, for those who love the Lord. And I want you to know that one of those dear couples that they went this way, and and we went this way, that time went by, and through just simple text, led to a little bit of a conversation, which led to a lunch, which led to me just saying, I'm sorry. I messed up. I didn't handle the situation very well. Please forgive me. So Jesus came on a passionate mission. Are you passionate about the Lord?
about following Him. You know, as we think about the passion of the Lord, here sometimes I give you prayers to pray. Not sure if you ever prayed this. Not sure if you are courageous enough to pray it. But Lord, what, what would happen if you prayed this prayer? Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Listen, some of you get it. You got it. You get it. You're, you, you're on, you got you, the peace thing. You're good. You're passionate about serving the Lord. But for some of you, it's us four and no more. It's us four and no more. That's how, I mean, I don't understand how that is. Because when I look at the Lord and that He came peacefully and He came passionately, and we said earlier that when Jesus went into Jerusalem, there was a crowd, right? And He wanted Jesus to be seen. He wanted Jesus to be heard. And He wanted to present them to them. Why, why do we not want to make much of Jesus? Amen? It, it, it's not just about making much of Jesus when we're inside these four walls. That is, it is important, but it's not just that. It's about when you walk out of these doors and when you get in your car and you go to your house and you go to work tomorrow and you go shopping and and that jerk cuts you off this week while you're driving down the road or somebody, you know, I don't know, cuts across your lawn and kills your flowers or something. I don't know. It's like, are you going to find peace in that situation? Are you going to lean in and extend grace? I think about sometimes really quickly that people worship buildings and they worship programs. I don't know if you've ever known any church people like that, amen? Maybe that doesn't happen at Bible Fellowship Church. But other churches that I've been in, other churches that I've preached at, people worship buildings and they worship programs. But can I ask you a question of something I wrote recently when I thought about that? When you pass from this life to the next, what's going to matter more? A building or a relationship you had with someone else? The impact that they had on your life. Right? See... A building is a tool for ministry. It's not something to be worshipped and to kept pristine at all times. Let me give you a quick example. A pastor friend of mine was preaching one time and he said he had a dear saint come and get him. And she said, come here, you got to come look at this. Come on, come, come, come with me, preacher. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And she took him and she said, I want you to look right there. And he was like, okay. So I want you to look right there. There's a booger on the wall. And he kind of collected his composure and he said thank God that we have children that we're ministering to that could put that booger on the wall now somebody get a rag and wipe it off and let's keep going tables marked with crowns you know things dented and dinged and things that need to be replaced People get upset about that. But would you rather it remain pristine? Or would you rather it be used by God to reach people far from God? 
to love them, to encourage them, to give them hope, to share with them the future that they could have because they're, they're destined for hell. And you got your get out of hell free card because you accepted Jesus when you were in the fifth grade and you just live in your life any old way you want to. Show me that in here. Show it to me. Because Jesus called us to what? Love our neighbors as ourselves. To love God and to love others. Last point. Jesus came on a purposeful mission. Jesus knew His mission. And His mission was to challenge the status quo and to connect with those around them and to conquer the grave. Defeating sin and death and giving people hope. Amen? That's what this season is all about. You look around you outside and there are beautiful flowers springing forth. There's new growth. There's new things happening. Praise God for that. Not only for the beauty, but praise Him that new things can grow. Right? There's a season of death. There's a season where things remain dormant. But praise God that they flourish and they grow. Last three questions. Jesus came on a purposeful mission. He knew His mission. Do you know why God made you? Have you asked Him that in a while? Are are you living on mission for Him? And are you allowing Him to use you for His glory? As we close out this service... I just want to ask you, we won't sing the last song today. I I want to use this as a time of prayer, a time of reflection. I just ask y'all, I don't do this all the time in Mass this morning, just every head bowed, every eye closed. As Miss Bessie continues to play for just a moment, maybe there's been something said, maybe there's been something that was sung. We talked about this morning that Jesus came on a peaceful mission. He came passionately and he came for a purpose. So my prayer is for you this morning is this is my prayer for you that you would spend these next few moments. Are you seeking peace in your relationships? Have have you sought the peace of Jesus and asked him to become your savior? Friends, are you living purposely for Him? Allowing Him to use you for His glory so that He can bring hope and light and healing and love to those He places in your path. Take just a moment and reflect on those. Have a conversation with Jesus. Whisper a little prayer. He's right there listening and waiting.
just encourage you this morning as, as we close out this service. Just because the song might, the piano might stop, doesn't mean that you can't take a moment to spend with the Lord. And so I encourage you, if you just need to take a moment as we go to leave, just to spend time in His presence, to, to just be quiet and still before Him. I ask others to just uh, exit quietly. Um, but just spend that time. If there's a conversation that you and I need to have, if, if you'd like for someone to pray with you, for you, um, pray about something that's going on in your life and your family, I'll be around. Come grab my hand. Be glad to have the privilege to pray with you. Um, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that as we study your last days, Lord, none of us are promised tomorrow. So, God, I pray that uh, we would just be on mission for you. Lord, help us to make sure that we um, are connected with you, that you have uh, become our Savior, that we've asked you to, to come into our hearts and lives, to change us from the inside out. And Father, I pray now that as we uh, leave, that you would uh, use us as vessels of hope and encouragement. Father, help us to thank this coming week that and through these next coming weeks, which as you lived out your final days, you lived them on purpose. You lived them out passionately. And Lord, you came to offer the world peace and salvation. Father, thank you for the many blessings. Guide us and direct us this coming week and help us to return at the next appointed time. For it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.